0: well good evening tonight's talk is on the very exciting subject of how does God guide us and you've got your sheets and before we begin um, I'm just going to say a short prayer Father thank you for your presence with us And I ask that you would bring what I say to life, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was the summer course 13 years ago that I did Alpha for the very first time. And I can tell you, I was quite a tricky customer. I was doing the course for the only reason, to satisfy myself that Christianity wasn't true. Um, I'd not been brought up. In a Christian family, and to many people's amazement, I'd started going to church in my teens. Admittedly, this had rather more to do with the um, hordes of nice boys at the church youth club than it did for um, an earnest search for God or the meaning of life. I think if I'm honest, at 13 years and upwards, boys were fast becoming the meaning of my life. However, there was something about the God aspect of it all that began to attract me more and more. And within a couple of years, much to my parents' surprise, I had arranged to be baptised and confirmed. I think they were a bit mystified, but equally quite relieved that it wasn't of drugs I was getting into. <laughs> Looking back, it's hard to know exactly what happened to my faith over the next few years. I definitely love God but I'm not sure I would have described myself as being in a relationship with him. And by the time I got to university, God was definitely on the back burner. I used to think I'd investigate Christianity and I'd go to some do and um, i sort of meet these Christians and they all look really scary. And um, to my shame, largely because of the way they dressed, um, I decided I could afford to postpone my search for just a little longer. Over the next few years, I did quite a lot of travelling, read lots about other religions, and by the time I got to London in '93 to work in a big city law firm, I pretty much concocted a mishmash religion of my own, which was a version of Christianity with a few other funky bits thrown in, which essentially meant I could carry on living my life exactly how I wanted. And that's what I was doing, living 100 miles an hour, But becoming increasingly dissatisfied. And, strangely, feeling more and more worthless. Now, my best friend back then had started doing something called the Alpha Course. And I, for some reason, was furious with her. I think because deep down it challenged me that I too needed to decide what I really believed. And to cut a long story short, I resolved one very tearful Sunday night to do that wretched course to give it ten weeks and to thereby satisfy myself that it was okay to carry on living exactly as I wanted, basically without any reference to God. And there'll be a bit more about what happened next later in the talk. Guidance. Who needs it? I don't know about you, but I am not very good with decisions. And I demonstrate this brilliantly when confronted with a menu. I don't know what happens to me. I just, I, think, I, I can't decide, partly because I like everything in front of me, but it's not surprising perhaps that when it comes to bigger decisions, it's easy to feel a bit paralysed. We all need guidance, don't we, when we face decisions about our jobs, where to live, relationships, marriage, money, day-to-day problems that we face at home and in our communities, And the wonderful news of the Christian faith is that we are not on our own. We don't have to go through life trying to sort it all out by ourselves. And guidance is all about our relationship with God. And God has promised in the Bible that he will guide us. And we're going to start by turning to John chapter 10 verse 27, which is on page 1017. It's John chapter 10, and verse 27. And he says, my sheep, Jesus says, my sheep, Listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus says if we're in this relationship with Him, that we know Christ, then we'll listen to Him and we'll hear what He's saying and He'll guide us. And you know, He has the most amazing and wonderful plan for your life and for mine. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, it's in the book of Jeremiah. But God says this, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He says elsewhere that he has prepared good works in advance for us to do. And Paul speaking in Romans 12 about his plan for our lives says that he has a good, pleasing and perfect plan for each one of us. So, in order to find out what the plan for our, God's plan for our life is, we need to consult him. And we need to be in that relationship with him so that we can listen to him. As Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I, um, I heard this analogy, which I, I think is great. Imagine you were asked to cross a, uh, a field containing landmines. And supposing someone who was an expert in landmines and knew exactly where they were in that particular field came up and offered you a hand in getting across. You've got two options. No thanks, I am perfectly capable of crossing a field on my own. I don't want anyone telling me the best way to cross the field or cramping my style. Or you can say, thank you, that would be wonderful, please lead on. I don't know about you, but it wouldn't take me long to decide which is the better way. And life can be a bit of a minefield, can't it? And I know that as I look back over the past 13 years, God has literally rescued me from several situations that would have had a devastating impact on my life. And I'm eternally grateful that I was able to be guided by him. So, in order to find out God's perfect plan for our lives, we need to ask him. In the book of Isaiah, God says to the people of Israel, Woe to those who carry out plans that are not mine. Woe to you who go down to Egypt without consulting me. I.e., you're trying to go through life without asking me, and I am longing to help you and to guide you. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see the supreme example of someone walking in the closest possible relationship with his father, Asking what God wanted him to do at every stage. And in order to hear God, I think we have to be willing to do what he wants us to do. Another person who demonstrates this brilliantly is Jesus' own mother, Mary. She says in that famous passage, I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to do whatever he wants. And if we have that attitude, then God will speak to us. He will guide us. And strangely, it's also at that moment that we find perfect freedom. As we say, Lord, I will trust you, we start to hear his voice and see him act. I saw this in my own life. Um, Until I did Alpha, really, my prayers had been pretty much all about me, me, me. And um, it was 1994, the 16th of June, I sat at one of those dreaded Alpha evenings and quietly prayed a slightly reluctant prayer, admitting to God that I didn't want to run from him anymore, and that I wanted to live for him, and with him in my life. One of the reasons I'd been so reluctant, was that not only had I got my perfect glitzy job that I'd always wanted, but I had the perfect glamorous boyfriend to match. And the perfect glamorous boyfriend had made it extremely clear that he was not at all interested in God or anything to do with Christianity. And I think deep down inside, I knew all along that if I went for it with God, it would really begin to tear us apart. And that, frankly, was inconceivable. we just got back from two weeks' holiday, we'd been talking about getting married, um, so there was only one thing for it. He must become a Christian too. <laughs> um, I drove away from Alpha that night with an incredible sense of joy and freedom, Went straight round to pick him up, as usual. I didn't say anything about the prayer that I just prayed to God. But that night, I prayed a further prayer in my bedroom to a living God, totally committing this precious relationship to him, thinking then that God would be able to act and um, draw this chapter himself, and we'd all sort of live happily ever after. And I'd handed it over. And the next day, totally out of the blue, to the amazement of all our friends, the boyfriend drove round my house and dumped me. And I was utterly devastated. Now, it was by no means the answer that I had expected or wanted, but I somehow knew that if I trusted God enough to pray that prayer, then I must trust the answer. God had a plan for me, and I can totally see that that relationship would have kept me from walking in that plan. It was the start of several dramatic answers to prayer over the next few months. My job was soon to follow, and um, it all stemmed from that moment when I humbled myself and prayed, Lord, I am willing to do whatever you want me to do. Now I'm conscious that this is not the most encouraging start um, to this talk on guidance. Um, My friends used to tease me and joke. They said, we thought Christianity was supposed to make your life better um, as things seemed to be dissolving all around me. But things did get better and there'll be more as we go along. So once we ask God how will he guide us? And of course there are many, many different ways. We're all treated so individually by our Heavenly Father. I think with me that he knew he had to shout, because I'm not easily told what to do. But we summarise them, and they're on the notes in front of you, into five main ways in which God guides us today. And for the sake of neatness, in this talk, they all start with the letters C-S. And in some decisions, it might be just one of them. In major decisions, it might be a combination of all five. But here is the first, and by far the most important, commanding scripture. God's general will is revealed to us in this book. We looked a couple of weeks ago at the verse which says, All scripture is God-breathed. It's in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. We don't need to turn to it. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's God-breathed. It's God-speaking. And this is how we know what God's general will is. He's already spoken on a number of issues. On marriage, work, money, family. So there are certain things we know without needing... To ask him. We don't need to say, Lord, please guide me about X, Y, and Z. We've already been told. For example, marriage, God's plan is that it's for life. So if you're a married woman here today and you've met a rather gorgeous chap on the way to Alpha and you're thinking, now I wonder if the Lord is guiding me to leave my husband and go off with that chap. The answer is no, he's not. <laughs> We're told <laughs> you shall not commit adultery. If you're wondering about paying your taxes, And you're wondering, maybe the Lord is calling me, guiding me to save the money instead. The answer is no, that he's not guiding in that way, because the Bible tells us we must pay our taxes. Usually when we come to Christ, there are issues in our lives that need sorting out. And they don't all get sorted out straight away, do they? I heard of um, a man, he wrote to the Inland Revenue. He'd just become a Christian and he wrote along these lines, Dear Sir... I have just become a Christian, and i found that I cannot sleep at night. So here is £100 that I owe you. P.S. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest. (laughs) We know we should pay our taxes. We know we should tell the truth. We don't need to ask, shall we give? The answer is yes, we must be generous givers. Shall we forgive? Yes, we must forgive. It's already revealed. But what this book won't guide us on necessarily is the particular will about a situation that we might be in. What may happen as regards the particular will is that as we read the Bible, God will speak to us individually. Some of you may already have had that experience that you're reading a passage and you think, that is so relevant to me today. And I think that's why... Christians go on and on about the importance of developing a, a regular habit of reading it so that you get into the habit of, of exposing yourself to God speaking to you through his word. Psalm 119 verse 105 says it all really. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I mean, there are so many examples, and I'm I'm always determined to try and illustrate things from personal experience. But there was one stage in my life where I was looking for a a new legal job. I'd been out of work for some time, but in the meantime, I'd been working as a volunteer for a homeless organisation. And a job came up there, and it was a real crossroads in my life. And I needed to know, with God calling me to kind of ditch my career and go into this area that I was becoming increasingly passionate about, And I prayed, and as I read the Bible, it was extraordinary. But the words, law, 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 and we all know it's in there, but it sprung off the page in such a way that I knew that God was confirming to me that I should persevere in my search for a solicitor's job. And he clearly led me to one that was just right for me, and very importantly, where I was to meet some people who became very important in my life. And God also speaks just on the little decisions of how we should act, how we should manage our relationships as we read it and ask him to show us. And that's, number one, commanding scripture. Secondly is compelling spirit. Once we've prayed a prayer, inviting Christ into our lives, he comes in by his spirit. And that's what we were looking at on the day away. And I'm conscious that it might not be the case for everyone here, and that's absolutely fine. Let's, um, let's start by looking under this heading at Acts chapter 20 and verse 22, which is page 1055. So, chapter 20 and verse 22 it's just very short we read about Paul, the Apostle Paul on his journeys and he writes and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there and we don't quite know how it was that the Holy Spirit compelled him but God obviously spoke to him in some way by his Spirit and the question that Automatically arises, I think, is but how do we know it's God? How do we know it's not a psychological thing? And I think it's in the verse we start, the answer really is in the verse we started with, where it says, Jesus says, My sheep recognize my voice. And one of the things as we begin to develop that relationship with Jesus is that we recognize his voice more and more. Just like you do um, if a friend telephones, the better you know them, the faster you know who's calling, because you're used to talking to them. Again, in Acts chapter 16, verse 7, we read, When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Another example of the Spirit communicating in some way. There are a number of ways he does this, but God often speaks as we pray. And prayer, as we looked at on an early week, is a two-way conversation. Sometimes people think it's just talking to God, but it's so much more than that. And it's so important to remember, while we're praying, to also be listening, hearing what God might be wanting to speak to us. Otherwise, it's a bit like going to the doctor, isn't it, and saying, oh, doctor, I'm so glad you could see me. I think I've broken my leg. I've got stomach cramps. My wrist is just killing me. I can't see out of this eye, and I've got a constant headache. Thanks so much. Bye. Um... Do you know he might, His doctor would probably say, "Well, do you think I m- might have something to suggest, or don't you want to hear what I've got to say?" And sometimes it's a bit like that with our relationship with God. I know in my own prayers I'm guilty of that. And lots of people, for this reason, keep a notepad and a pen um, near them when they pray, so they can write down any sense that they have of what God might be saying. And I'm not someone who hears God, you know, every time I pray. Um, But there was one time when I heard his voice unmistakably that I have to tell you about it. (laughs) Um, So, going back to my story, I'd broken up with Mr. Perfect, and um, there was a very bleak patch in my life with no boyfriends at all. But I had been getting to know a very nice chap at church, and we were spending quite a lot of time together. And um, But for once in my life, the kind of new me, I didn't want to be manipulating and um, sort of just getting what I wanted. I really wanted to do it God's way. So I was on my bed. I remember it so clearly. I thought, I'm not going to charge ahead with this. I am going to commit it to God in prayer. And as I was doing that, Lord, I give you this relationship and lead us on if it's right. And if it's not, then don't. And God cut through me babbling on. And I heard... something which I'll tell you in a minute, because I forgot to tell you something else. <laughs> At the same time, I had just started running an alpha group with a guy called Sean. So I was praying about chap A, just started running an alpha group with a guy called Sean, who, if I'm honest, was perfectly nice, but possibly a bit dull. <laughs> so I'm mad praying about this other chap, And I, as clearly as is possible to hear, I heard God say to me, Sean is your husband. And I burst out laughing. (laughs) You know, he wasn't my type at all. And God had clearly made a mistake. And um, I didn't write it down, actually, because... um, But I did, for the record, tell my great Christian friend, Jennifer... And I said, I just want you to know, in case anything really mad happens, this is what I think I heard God say to me today. Amazingly, 18 months later, I married one Sean Flanagan. This is really my tissue. (laughs) And as you know, most of you in this room, he is the most amazing man. And with every day that passes, I see why he was the right man for me. God knew what I needed. Much better, as it turns out, than I knew myself. And he wasn't, in many ways, what I always wanted. But he was what I needed. Sometimes, God might just give us an impression. While other times, God speaks to us by giving us a strong desire to do something. I think one of the biggest fears many people have... Certainly it was one of mine. If I become a Christian, God is going to ask me to do something really hideous. Like, give, up all, give away all my money and go and work in Africa. Or work for a church. Or something like that. But the amazing thing is, as Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 13, God is at work in us, both to will and to act for his good purpose. So he says that God actually changes our desires. So, latterly, when I was, in fact, offered a chance to to go and work for a church, when it came to it, I was really keen to give up my legal career. And, in fact, I went to work for Alpha. It was what I wanted to do more than anything else in the world, because God had changed my will. And sometimes he guides us in more unusual ways, through prophecy and visions, pictures, angels, audible voices, or even dreams. And we haven't got time to look at them, but there are examples of all of these in the Bible. And, of course, the danger is that we can be mistaken. How do we know it's God speaking? And the Bible lays down various tests. And one of them, and it's so important to remember these, is, is it in line with the word of God? So that's our first test. Secondly, does it promote love? God is love, and if we sense him guiding us to do something that isn't loving then it's not going to be from God. Another test which Paul lays down in Corinthians is, is it strengthening, encouraging and comforting? Yet another test Paul gives us is, do we feel a sense of God's peace about a decision? And Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So if we make a decision and we feel very ill at ease about it, maybe it's not right. And that's the second thing, compelling spirit. The spirit of God who comes to live within us will guide us. The third one on the, li- on the list, on the notes, is common sense. We are not called to abandon common sense when we become Christians. And if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 32, which is on page 538. It's Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. And it says this I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding. And in 2 Timothy 2, verse 7, Paul says. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight. What he's saying is think about it. And in effect, as you're thinking about it, using your mind, the Lord will give you understanding. So God will speak if you use your common sense. John Stott, the great theologian and, and church leader, wrote God's promises of guidance were not given to save us the problem of thinking. And John Wesley once said that God usually guided him by presenting reasons to his mind for acting in a particular way. And that's probably true of the majority of the ordinary day-to-day decisions that we make. God gives us reasons to act through our thinking. But also in the big decisions, it's important to use our common sense. In the Bible, for example, we know that marriage is the norm, but we won't find out who we should marry by open-